Welcome to the Intentional Leaders Podcast with Cindy Wentland. This is episode 65, Leadership Lessons, an interview with Chad Melnick. Hi, I'm Cindy, an educator, certified coach, and passionate learner on all things leadership related. It seems like just yesterday I was fresh out of grad school, wanting to make my way in the world, longing to make a difference to people, to team, to the business. Little did I know how challenging it would be. Fast forward several decades later, I've made a career of leading while teaching and coaching thousands of leaders to be at their best, most effective selves. Along this journey, I've captured so many insights, lessons, and techniques on how leaders become amazing, and also, as leaders, when we get it wrong. I'll share them all right here, because I founded Intentional Leaders to provide easy access to these kinds of lessons, and equally important to help you build the presence, confidence, and credibility you need to be the leader that everybody wants to work for. Because I know leadership has its challenges, but learning to lead shouldn't be one of them. Today, I am thrilled to welcome Chad Melnick, who is the Senior Vice President of Marketing Strategy and Promotions at the Corporate Coles Headquarter in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. So Chad, you have been in this very large, successful retail organization for several decades. And when you think about your longevity in this space, knowing how difficult it is, especially in the last couple of years, to what do you attribute your longevity and your success from a leadership perspective? First of all, it's been two decades, not several. So when I correct you on that, you're going <laughs> to you're gonna age me two. here. And, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> Yeah, I you know, I guess I've thought a lot about that over the course of time. I, I do think it's a little interesting that you know being with one organization or even in one industry for twenty plus years is is sort of out of the norm at this point. Mm-hmm. I think about a couple of things when you ask that question. The first is is certainly motivation has been key to success over the long haul. And and what I mean by that is I think leaders have to find ways to keep themselves motivated and continue mm-hmm. to be motivated when, you know, in some cases, the things around them aren't changing dramatically. And, you know, what I mean by that is, for at least for me in my path, it was, you know, taking full advantage of the opportunities that were afforded to me as a way mm-hmm. to stay motivated. I think sometimes it's a little bit easy to, to sort of blend into the background in a particular meeting or not raise your hand when there's something that you could be taking on. And yeah. I, I really was purposeful in trying to take advantage of opportunities that came my way. You know, sometimes it's about yeah. being in the right place at the right time, but you also have to grab onto those things. And what I found was those are big motivating factors for me, that this idea that okay. I could continue to learn and to grow was super important. And I think, you know, coupled with that is just the idea that to stay fresh, you have to need to seek opportunities to learn along the way. And, you know, that also, I think, drives a lot of motivation for somebody to be in a business like this for a long time. And then you talked about our relationship, and I've been super fortunate to have great coaches and mentors along the way, yourself included, that helped to create the motivation I needed to continue to do what I do every single day. Sure. And that's been a big driver. I, I, you know, I'd say maybe two other things. One is you have to have a connection. Yeah. And I, I think a lot about this, like what, what I do every day, and I think what most business is all about is about people. And one of the reasons why I've been able to stay successful in a big organization for so long is that I, from very early on, was focused on my connection to the people around me. 
Okay. Yeah. And the idea that you have to have a strong network and people sometimes think about networks, you know, like a cocktail hour and you're shaking hands and you're trying to make these connections so that you can use these people later on in life for career aspirations and, and opportunities, all of that. And, and that's important. But but to me, yeah. the network is about improving your day-to-day and having mm-hmm. a group of people around you that you can connect with, that you can depend on, that you can count on, that can you know look to on the days when you're having you know challenges or where you're yeah. not feeling as motivated or engaged. And that, that's a big one to me is just making sure that you're connected to the people around you. Yeah. Uh, because let's face it, we spend a lot of time with the people that we work with more so than we yeah. do with our families in most cases. For sure. And you need to find that same level of connection. You know, I think maybe last is this idea of having this unwavering drive for success. I kind of think of it like an unwillingness to lose, yes. which is, which to me is, you know, it's different than actually losing. Like I lose all the time, you know, it's, yeah. it's different than the idea of failing. Cause I fail all the time, but it's, having this mindset of being just unwilling to lose, like the outcome will be whatever the outcome is, but going into it with that belief that I'm not going to let us lose, that has been really helpful for me in continuing to drive the business that I drive and to impact the organization. Yeah. What an interesting way to think about it because, and I know how competitive you are in a way that that drive to win, but I think what's interesting about what you just said, and a lot of people don't understand this, that being unwilling to lose doesn't mean you never fail. You fail. I mean, people fail all the time, but they're not willing to give up. And I think that's your message is, I'm not going to give up. I could make a mistake and I could fail at this. It doesn't mean I'm not going to ultimately win until I stop. And when people stop, that's when they give up. Yeah. I actually think maybe, maybe I would amend that a little bit. I actually do think there's a time to stop. I think one of the skills of leaders knowing when that time is, and you know, it's to me, I think about, will putting more effort into this, will it change the outcome? Yeah. Right. Will we have a dramatically better outcome if I sink more of my time, energy, whatever into this thing that we're working on. And I think knowing or being as close to the pin on that is incredibly helpful because, you know, in my world, it's not about doing one thing, it's about doing a million things. And so sure. I have to decide sure. how much energy do you put behind each. Yeah. I think we're using that a little different because you're saying I'm going to stop at doing something because the investment or the return on the investment isn't there. I was right, talking right. about like stopping completely. <laughs> like, oh, like I'm, right. stop- yes. I'm going to stop and give up, not play yeah, the no, game no. anymore. I was going to say, I still have a mortgage to pay. So yeah, I'm not right. stopping. <laughs> I'm not stopping. It is interesting because the three things that I heard you say that have been what you've attributed to your longevity is one, finding ways to stay motivated and knowing that comes from a lot of different areas. I think that's really interesting because like what I hear a lot of leaders focusing on is their team being motivated. Like how do I engage and motivate other people? But what we don't always think about is how am I motivating me? Because if I'm not showing up feeling energized and motivated, how in the world am I going to energize and motivate my team? And I think that's really important. And I love how you connected that to your own learning and, and growth and opportunities. So I heard motivation, connection, and the unwavering drive. And I and I do remember too how connected you were to your team and right. how much people mean to you and how much those people valued your relationship to them. So it went both ways. And that always struck me as something that was really wonderful to hear about. Great lessons. Awesome. So then when you think about this crazy kooky retail marketplace and this space, what do you think is the most important personality trait to be successful and a leader in retail? Humor. 
No, I don't. Um, I, <laughs> you have that. I think humor is important in every every aspect of life, just to be honest. But yeah. first of all, I suspect that the sort of leadership characteristics it takes to be successful are probably somewhat universal, right? It's not just yeah. retail, probably lots of uh, segments of, of business or even beyond. And you know, I think about that question, it, it takes a lot to be a leader. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. that is expected of a leader from you know things like organizational skills and vision, yeah. right? Where you want to go, the ability to communicate that vision clearly. Certainly perseverance, which we just got done talking about. I think there's probably, you know, a couple of things for me when I think about the traits that define a great leader. The one that I always, always start with is authenticity. Mm. You know, I it took me a while to realize this, you know, because being competitive as you as you rightfully called out. Um <laughs> Early on in my career, I assumed that because I was doing well, that other people had to be like me to do well, which is an, which mm. is an insane and sort of immature thought. And what I realized over time was that it really is about authenticity. You don't have to be like me. You have to be like you. Yeah. And so when I think about how I lead or how I show up, I, I generally operate on this spectrum, which is between being my whole self, yeah. kind of warts and all, <laughs> to being the best version of myself. Yeah. And on the, on the one side of that spectrum, this idea of being my whole self, there's some downsides to that, of course, right? I, when I think about showing up in that way, you know, I've said things the wrong way. I've, you know, I've had to apologize. I've had to admit mistakes. Yeah. But it, on one hand, I think people like that. They like to see you vulnerable. They like to know that you're human. Yes. Even when you make a mistake, they appreciate that you're authentic. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, they're not surprised by it because that is who you are. Yeah. On the other end of the spectrum, this this idea of being the best version of yourself, I mean, there's obviously fewer imperfections than when you're operating on that side of the spectrum, but it's still authentic yeah. and people believe it and it feels and looks natural and you're not trying to be somebody else. And so I, I guess I've learned to accept that if I'm going to be an authentic leader, I can strive to be the best version of myself. And I hope that I achieve that most of the time, but there's always going to be these moments where I am literally being my whole self. Mm-hmm. And what comes with that is a whole lot of imperfections. But I think that sort of realness is what connects me to people and them to me. Yeah. Um, so I always start with that. I just think that's so critical. I used to say, if you're authentic, people will want to be led by you. You can be authentically yeah. an asshole. Yes. <laughs> and people might still might still view you as a great leader because it's, it is who you are. It's authentic. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, that to me has always been the biggest one. The, the next that I think about a lot is empathy. And you, you talked about that a little bit uh, earlier. And being able to put yourself in people's shoes, understanding them deeply, then really getting behind the why people do what they do and being thoughtful about your impact on them. Yeah. I think that's in my opinion, like absolutely a non-starter when it comes to being a great leader, like you have got to have empathy. And when you think about authenticity and empathy, I think they go together in a way, in a very important way, which is that when you have those characteristics, it makes being a leader so much easier. Mm. It makes giving feedback a lot easier because you know the person you're talking to, they know you, they know you beyond just you being their boss. It makes all of those difficult conversations so much easier. And so just from a, just from a sort of human being perspective and a talent perspective, it makes all of those things easier. But even beyond that, from a sort of business perspective, you know, when you're empathetic, when you are authentic, I think it makes you more able to understand other people's perspectives Sure. and it helps you to tailor your approach. It helps you to get to yes faster. Mm, so from yeah. a pure business perspective, there's a real important benefit of working in that way. And then this idea of courage. This one is, 
Mm. One that I really came to me a lot later in my career. The courage to make tough decisions is really what I'm talking about. Okay. And as a leader and and working in a big organization like Kohl's and like many others, there's undoubtedly a hierarchy of leaders. And with that hierarchy comes the need to know what decisions that I as a leader can make on my own. And Mm -hmm. which ones I need to elevate to somebody else. And that's just the starting point, though. Like, I have to know which decisions I can make, and then I have to have the courage to make them. I think what we forget sometimes is that when our teams or our people that report to us are bringing to us situations, issues, whatever you want to call them, and looking for me to weigh in or me to make a decision, it's because it's a hard decision. If it was not a hard decision, they're, they're talented people. They could make that decision every single day. Yeah, And you have to have the courage to make the decision when there's not an always obvious answer. Yeah, And coupled with that is then the need to not second guess yourself after making that decision, right? You, you Sure, you should reflect on it. You should be hyper-focused on what those outcomes are and then adjust as needed. But you have to have the courage and confidence to actually make the decision and move on. Yeah, yeah that's excellent. And when you think about that, I'm kind of curious about your perspective on this. I, first of all, 100% resonates with me when you talk about authenticity. And I think that's, you know, you and I connected because I think we're both authentically and we showed up each time talking with each other in a very authentic way. Um, I really appreciated your empathy for all the folks that you were working with. That came through in our discussions about what you wanted and what you were trying to accomplish and the why that connection to people's experience definitely was something that was a characteristic that to me is very visible about you, that you value and you lead with that. I'm curious about the courage one because I agree that we have to be in a position to to make difficult decisions and there isn't always an obvious answer. So part of it is just the intellectual ability to figure that out. Where do you think courage comes in? What are we being courageous about? When you think about from a leadership perspective, what is the risk that we're trying to overcome through courage? Does that um, make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the courage I'm talking about, and I I guess there's probably many reasons why courage, or I should say what courage enables. You know, one of them is about efficiency. Okay. Can you imagine how inefficient an organization would be if every single decision had to be elevated to the CEO? Yeah, right. And so part of the courage is actually to, in some ways, bear the burden, right? So that it's mm-hmm. not a one one person bearing the burden of every decision in an organization. It's just not possible. Yeah. I also think the other thing that it probably enables is a fair bit of engagement or accountability. Okay. Again, like, you know, I think about how an organization could operate. If all the decisions are made at the very top, you know, what right. is my value <laughs> in the organization? And Right. And what value am I adding? And the reason why I bring up courage is because in some cases, I do think we can sort of train ourselves to not take that accountability. Yes. Sometimes it's easier to go ask somebody else. And sometimes we train that. But ultimately, Mm -hmm. to be a strong leader and to have goals of moving up in an organization or becoming a CEO one day, you better have experience making the big decision because eventually you'll be in a place where there is nobody else to pass it to. Yeah. So when you talk about courage, you're talking about accountability, efficiency, and ownership is what I also heard, that it is courageous to own something and then realize that it's almost like you have to have your own back after you make the decision. I made the decision, we're going with it. You might get information down the road that's like, oh, I should have made a different decision, but that's always hindsight. That's a hindsight bias. But I think a lot of people are affected by hindsight bias, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And I think it is 
is very courageous when I hear someone say, no, I'm going to have my own back. I made the decision based on what I knew at the time, and I'm going to support that. I can admit if something else comes up or we want to change, but I'm also not going to beat myself up for the decision that I previously made based on the information that I had. I think that is a courageous act. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what I'm I'm getting at. I think the the one watch out, and I just want to be careful with my words. You know, this idea of being courageous and making decisions, having the confidence to do that, and then moving on. That doesn't mean stop paying attention. Yeah. Right. And that's maybe the risk, right? Is that people might hear that and go, okay, well, I made this decision, wipe my hands of that, move on. I'm not going to think about that ever again. You know, what I'm saying is between the period where you make the decision and when there's new information, there's no need to be second guessing that decision. Yeah. But you have to be eyes wide open to what the impacts are of the decision that you made so that you can then make better decisions in the future. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally aligned with what you're saying. And I think those are important messages. And especially in today's environment, not just in retail, but in so many industries where leaders are at this point where they have to make fast decisions, process a lot of information, make right. a decision, move. And the, the opposite of that is paralysis or rumination or stagnation or just not making any decision, which as you said, is not good for the rest of your team because then they're all kind of waiting for some decision to be made. And then there's a productivity loss, there's a morale loss, there's all kinds of things, missed opportunities, for sure. So um, I think that's an important message. Yeah, I mean, as a leader, you know, thing I I think about a lot is that, you know, I don't get paid to do things necessarily, I get paid to decide things. And there's a whole team of people that do. Yeah. And we expect and want them to do that stuff quickly. We want them to yeah. be able to be agile. And one of the ways we en- enable that is by being agile and fast in our decision making. Because sure. oftentimes there's a group of people waiting to go do something yeah. and they're waiting for you to make a decision. Yeah. And so I think about that a lot too in, in terms of being a leader. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Now, Chad, tell me based on your longevity, based on all the different experience you've had, what is one thing you'll never do again? Oh, man. I know. Never say never. (laughs) I know. You know, it's funny. Like, I'm very much a situational person. And I don't, you know, live by this sort of mantra of the what's right or wrong. I I think a lot of things are, you know, situational in nature. Yeah. You know, I guess the one thing I I hope I'll never do again is what I would call being solely motivated by the win. You know, I think about my career when I was, you know, earlier on in my career, let's say, I was super, super focused on next, the next role, the next promotion. And at that stage of my career, those things were coming very quickly. And so that I think is something you and I probably talked about along the way. Yeah. But I was probably overly focused on that. I was overly Mm -hmm. focused on the win. And what I realized, it took me way too long to realize this, when you're focused on things like the next role, the next promotion, the euphoria of that is so short-lived. You know, I can picture myself standing in front of a group of people being announced as the next, you know, whatever, next buyer, next divisional merchandise manager, whatever, and everybody claps for you and it feels great. And then they all turn around and go back to the desk and start working again. Right. <laughs> You're like, what's and, next? Right. And so <laughs> it feels great. That promotion, whatever, the promotion, the new role, whatever it is, it feels great. But it, what does it last? Like a day, maybe a week? Yeah. And 
so that being the sole motivating factor, you know, is something that I'll, I'll never want to repeat again. It doesn't mean I don't care about that. Of course I do. Yeah. You know, so anybody that's career-minded and motivated and, and competitive like I am is always going to be thinking about those things. But, you know, what I've learned over time is there are more important things to drive my engagement. And, you know, now they're more focused on things that relate to being a leader, like my team's engagement, my ability to keep them motivated through very difficult times, the results of the team. Those are all things that now are better motivators for me than thinking about what's next. I hope that I never get back to that place again. That's a great message. What you're also highlighting, Chad, is I think the important difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivators. Intrinsic are I'm feel good when you talked at the beginning of the podcast about learning and growth. Right, and right. that motivates me. That keeps me driven to aspire to do well and continue to do well. And then the extrinsic motivator is the reward at the end of the day. Like what's that next promotion? And I think the farther you move up the organization, the less options there are as well for those extrinsic motivators. You know, you're already an SVP. Like where do you keep going? Right, and right. also recognizing that those aren't the ones that are most important to you. I think it gets back to your values, you know, shifting some of your values about what do you want for your life? You know, you're thinking now about the legacy you're leaving behind in terms of your team and setting sure. those people up to be successful. So I think that's a really interesting shift in perspective and values and things you care about that may be different from early on. So now as you look back over your career. Uh, the several you, decades that we're talking the several, about? The several, the several decades, yeah. For your right. lengthy, lengthy time. <laughs> so what is your greatest professional achievement? Oh, man. Gosh, you know, I think about there's been, you know, probably too many to mention major company initiatives that I've had the good fortune of of leading, developing, implementing. And I talked about at the top, just the idea of taking advantage of all the opportunities you get. And I feel like for the most part, I've done that. And so there's a lot that I probably could rattle off. And, you know, as I talked about earlier, some, you know, some have failed. And thankfully, more often than not, they haven't. But there's been a lot. You know, the other thing I would say is one of the things I'm quite proud of is just my flexibility. And yeah. chatted for a few minutes before the podcast. My career path has been rather different than many. And so I've had the good fortune and honestly been given the opportunity to lead across a lot of different functional areas. And yes. so I sit here today with a fairly unique skill set for somebody who's spent their career in retail so far. And so that has, I think, has been a, a pretty important achievement for me and something I'm, I'm very proud of. But like saying all that, you know, I think about when my time is done and I look back on my career, you just said it. I think my impact on people Mm -hmm. is going to be my greatest achievement. Mm -hmm. I hope people aren't going to remember the results that you drove, probably the yeah. you know initiatives that you led, but they'll remember the impact you had on them yeah. and on the culture. And so I think my legacy will be the culture I've helped build here at Kohl's over time and the people that I've developed and mentored, et cetera. Like I imagine a time down the road where I can look across the organization. I can do that today, but I, I'm just you know, imagining years down the road and I've impacted even more and more people being able yeah. to look out at the tentacles of people that I've worked with, worked around, and see my impact on them in the way that sure. they work with their teams and the way that they think about the business and the way that they lead with empathy, all of those things. Yeah. That I think is going to be the biggest professional achievement. Like That's when I will be able to rest comfortably and know that I had an impact. Oh, Chad, that just gave me chills. And it oh, was so, it did. And I get to see you as you're talking, I get to see your hands. And someone told me many, many years ago that we, we leave invisible fingerprints 
on other people's right. lives. And that's really what you're talking about is there are lessons, there are values, there are things that you've done and connections that you've had that affect other people in that big ripple effect. She always called that, that's our invisible fingerprints, right? They're, we leave I them on that. people's lives. And as you were talking, you were using your hands and I was thinking that is your legacy. What a beautiful picture of what that is. And I did, I got all chills. It's a great well, and it, I mean, I would say it's also sort of a motivating factor, right? I mean, if you're thinking about the way that you show up every day, not in terms of what the impact is on that person right this minute, but you think about it more in terms of your impact on that person over time, Yeah, it forces you to be more thoughtful. It forces you to be more in the moment. You know, I think about how many times has, has somebody walked in, you know, you're in a meeting and somebody walks in and you can tell that something is off and all of a sudden the whole room comes down, right? Yeah. And reacts to that person. You know, that's the thing I want to be as mindful of as I can, that we have a giant impact on people and it is both short-term and long-term. And so anyway, that to me is the thing I'm probably most proud of at the, at the moment. And the thing that I imagine when I'm, when I'm all done wrapped up with this career that I'll look back on and, and go, you know what, I made a difference. Yeah, that is a beautiful picture. Well, thank you for sharing that. And sure. your your career isn't done. You know, I mean, no, I know, just, I know. You're yeah. just getting started, right? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I, I, it's, totally. I, I, I was I was afraid that sounded a bit morbid when I was talking about my time being done. Like, I'm not talking about, you know, when I get hit by a bus or something, but, but eventually I'll stop working. And, and that's when I'll look back and be really proud of what I accomplished. You will have earned that rest. Yes, for sure. I also like to think about looking back in time and who we were at a younger point in our career and reflecting back on how we showed up then relative to how we are today. So a lot of times I think it's interesting to say, hey, what would we tell ourselves, you know, like back in our 18-year-old, 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself if you could talk to them today? What kind of coaching perspective advice would you give Chad of 18, 20 years old? Well, how much time do we have? I could think of a million things that I would want to go back and tell myself between the ages of 18 and say 25, Yeah, uh, most of which I can't talk about in this podcast. But right. <laughs> um, I, I mean, some of, some of the things I guess we've touched on a bit already, yeah. you know, I think this idea of learning to fail uh, yeah. and learning to fail early, that's a hard one. And I yes. think a lot of people that enter into the business world uh, do so after years of being very, very good students, very, very motivated individuals and not used to failing. And yeah. so the earlier on you can get used to failing and and not let it define you. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause I think about like failing doesn't make you a failure. Yeah. Right. And it's like sort of a strange way of saying it, really but weird. I think that's our natural instinct, particularly at, at early ages. It's like every time we fail, it makes us feel like we're a failure. Yes. And, you know, the thing I think about now is that all of these tribulations that you go through are just experiences that make you mm -hmm. more equipped to deal with whatever will come and acknowledging that you've never experienced it all. And just when you think you have, life's going to throw something at you that you're not ready for. But all of the failures that you've had over the course of time add up to experiences that you can draw from when things get really hard. So mm -hmm. I think the idea of learning to fail early is, is a big one um, for me. The other one that I don't think it's specific, but I have a specific example is this idea of don't make big decisions lightly, mm. you know, or hastily, I guess, is maybe a different way of putting it. You know, I think about when I first came to Kohl's, this was in 2000, June of 2000, my, my first time coming here. And, you know, I grew up in Minneapolis area. We're based out of the Milwaukee area. 
I had never been to Milwaukee before. I had worked at a coal store part-time in college. So I was familiar with the company to the extent that I was even paying attention. And I decided to take uh, a role here as a merchandise analyst, which is, which is where you started off uh, after college. And, you know, I moved here not knowing anybody. And it, and it may not seem like a lot. You know, I moved one state over, but I'll distinctly remember forever some friends and my sister, they drove me here with a, with a moving truck and we unloaded my stuff in some apartment in the suburbs, which by the way, was a terrible idea being a 20 something year old moving into the suburbs was not right. the right way to do it. But, and I remember distinctly them then, you know, call it Sunday, getting back in the their cars and driving back to Minneapolis. And now here I was alone sitting in this, yeah. you know, suburban apartment by myself at the age of 22 or 23 or whatever I was. Sure. And my first few weeks, months here were hard. I was homesick for sure. The job was fine, but I had nothing else that was sort of keeping me here. Sure. And I almost decided to go home. Oh, really? I almost decided to go home. Yeah, this is 20-something years ago. You know, I was very close. I remember calling an old store manager that I worked with who still works for Kohl's. I think he still works for Kohl's. I oh, called gosh. him and I'm like, dude, I don't, this is terrible. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. homesick. All my friends are Well, long story short, though, obviously I stayed, right? Spoiler yeah. alert, I stayed. But, you know, I'm so glad I didn't go because I've had a great career here at yeah. Kohl's. I've met my wife here at Kohl's. We've had two beautiful children who are growing up fast. Mm -hmm. And none of that would have happened. My life would be totally different today had I made that decision in a very hasty manner. And, I, and honestly, I think it was fairly hasty. Like I'm talking weeks or months of yeah. being here. Like that's not enough time to really consider things. So I'm glad that I made the decision that I made, but I would go back and tell my 18-year-old self basically like slow down. You know, Simmer these are down. big life decisions. Yeah. yeah, these are big life decisions. And yeah. it's not that they can't be, you know, undone, but every decision we make forges a new path. Yeah. You know, I think on a more sort of career side of things, I think the idea that your career is a marathon and not a race would be mm -hmm. a big one. I'd want to tell my 18 year old self, I tell newer colleagues of mine often that that's the case. Yeah. And I think maybe the other one is just, and this is probably more about life, but just find your people. Mm, um, yeah. it's, I think about this with, uh, as my kids are growing up, you know, it's just so important to find people you connect with Yeah, ultimately what life is all about. Absolutely. It makes it a, a more beautiful experience and it makes it more of a shared experience. And when we're able to connect with other people and they become part of our story and part of each of those chapters, even as people come and go, recognizing that that continuity of the connection is what we're striving for. And I think many of us are. Who looks back at the end of their life and says, gee, I wish I would have had less friends or right. <laughs> I, I would have connected less with people. It's like the opposite. We're working and striving for that connection in a meaningful way. And I think that's... Well, and, and maybe putting those a couple of these thoughts together, I mean, I think this idea of finding your people, that sort of grounding, that sort of connection, I think that can help us make better decisions, right? Because it creates more of a holistic sort of perspective in which to assess whatever yeah. situation you're in. When you don't have your people, when you don't you know, have that connection, you're sort of making a decision based on half information. And interestingly, that's a sign of resilience in people in times of stress. And when we don't have, you know, all the answers and we're filled with a lack of clarity, having a strong support system is actually one of the things that enable us to be more resilient is like we have people that we reach out to. We have people that we trust. We have people who will also be honest with us. Right. Back to your 20 yourself to say, Yo, Chad, like simmer down, dude. You've only been there two weeks. You're living in the freaking suburbs. You know, give yourself a little space and time to get to know this new life. And it's going to be weird for a while. That's okay. Weird isn't going to hurt you. Weird right. is a, an experience that you're going to have and you're going to live through this and it's going to be fine. Right. Yeah. You need, people. I mean, 
you know, it's, it's funny, like you don't have that connection, those people to in some ways help you see the reality. You can create your own reality in your head. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I think about my dad a lot, who's gone now. But you know, in a lot of the, what we talked about today, it reminds me of him because he was a very authentic person, and you know, was was very you know, connection to people was very important to him, and this idea of being known and having an impact. But he was also one of those people in my life who could check me, could tell me like, "You've created this in your mind. Yeah. That's not the reality." And yeah. you need people like that to keep you grounded. I mean, and you yeah. need people like that to help you make great decisions. You bet. Are you a Brene Brown fan by any chance? So I think you know this about me. Like, I don't like like real coachy, coachy stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> and so I want to read that kind of stuff. I want to read, you know, business books and I want to read self-help books. And then I get one and I, and I lay in bed at night and, and I, I'm sleeping in like 30 seconds. Right. <laughs> well, okay. Fair enough. And you have, uh, you have a lot of other pursuits as well. Right, and right. with that said, the reason I brought up Brene Brown, I think it's in her book, Dare to Lead. And I've become a big fan of hers. And a lot of her work connects to, to messages and a lot of learning and development that I'm doing. But she talks about having, I think it's a one by one inch square of paper and keeping it in your pocket writing down who do you trust to give you honest feedback with love and kindness, but with transparency, how you just described your dad. So I imagine if you had that one by one sheet of paper, you would put dad, like, I know I'm going to be able to go to my dad and my dad's going to say, yo, Chad, (laughs) that's not reality. You know, here's reality. And they do that out of love for you. Not out of like, I'm just going to tell you the truth and that's who I am, but I'm going to tell you the truth and be kind because I love you and I care about you. Right. And how many people, we all need at least a couple of those people in our lives who will be completely transparent with us in that kind of loving, kind way. It sounds like you yeah, agreed for you. Yeah. So that's a cool thing. I just want to thank you, Chad, for taking the time today to share some of your leadership lessons in your time with Coles and in this amazing organization that I've had a chance to work with and with you, who I admire very greatly and have wanted to stay connected with. Any final tidbits, pearls of wisdom, or secrets that you want to reveal to the studio (laughs) audience before we leave today? Well, no, I think I'm all out of wisdom. This whatever thirty minutes you got it all. I want to tell you it's been my pleasure. It's been so much fun spending time with you again after after many years. I hope we get to do this more often. Let's do it on purpose. There you go. Okay. So thank you for your time and energy. I really appreciate it. And what I also appreciate is you sharing these messages and these lessons learned with people beyond the Coles organization. Thanks for listening today. Do you know an amazing and inspiring leader? someone who helps you show up as your best self? If so, let me know. Maybe they're interested in being highlighted on our Lessons Learned series. 